Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Don't give up. If you're going to do something, do it and jump all in and get it finished as quickly as possible. Hyperfocus. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Ash. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does. I've known Slocum for years, and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner-operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. And today we have AJ Shepard with us. How are you doing, AJ? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. AJ is the owner and managing partner of Uptown Syndication and Uptown Properties. Uptown Syndication focuses on purchasing large multifamily assets through partnerships with passive investors. They have a portfolio of 150 plus units that they also manage as Uptown Properties. Uptown Properties manages a portfolio of over 700 units. They are based in Portland, Oregon. AJ, general partner in apartment deals and also property management. Were you in property management before you started investing your own money and other people's money? We actually started out by buying single family homes and then kind of worked our way up to duplexes and fourplexes. The property management company was kind of a way for us to generate more income to qualify for more financing. Generate more income to qualify for more financing. I feel you. I started as a house hacker, so not with single families, (laughs) but I formalized a property management company as my portfolio grew to the point that I needed to hire people. Is that how it worked for you or was it something else? Yeah. We started buying houses in 2007 and I think we started the property management company in 2010. I know a bunch of people here in Cincinnati, Ohio with portfolios between 50 and 500 units. And every single one of us asks ourselves all the time, whether or not we should get into professional third-party property management to make money. And all of us say no. You said yes. You're in Portland. 
So coming from my perspective, why do it? Why would you manage for other people? It's a steady income. We were looking at the crash in 2007 and a lot of brokers and other people in real estate services went away. My brother and I had W-2 jobs. And when we got away from that, finding another source of income was super nice. And this was a stable way. Also, it was a way for us to manage our own properties and hire employees and do it with a professional aspect coming in to lenders and saying, oh no, we don't just own our properties. We professionally manage them. It gives us kind of like a step up, allows us to qualify for more financing. And it's just a, it's a better picture overall for that kind of lending aspect as we got into more multifamily deals. Absolutely. Thinking about best ever listeners who may be in a similar situation to you or me, AJ, I'm thinking about the decision being an owner operator or being a GP who's also involved in management, thinking about the decision to take on property management third party. I think why most of my buddies in Cincinnati don't do it is because we can't see ourselves working as hard on other people's properties as we do on ours, shoveling cat litter out of the parking lot before the showing because it's not normal to have cat litter in the parking lot, but also because you know you want the place to show well. I think a large part of it, and one of the reasons that a lot of investors, non-local investors struggle in a place in Cincinnati is that it is so hard to find quality property management here. That's certainly one of the reasons that I self-manage. Tell me if you agree or disagree here. Portland, Oregon is a much higher cost of living area than Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, no, it it definitely is. Rents are going to be much higher. Portland's still one of the most affordable cities on the West Coast, though. Like, if you look at compared to, like, Seattle or L.A. or San Francisco, like, we're significantly cheaper, but we're not going to be as cheap as Cincinnati, Ohio. If you had to ballpark it, AJ, across your portfolio, what is the average monthly rent? Probably 1500 maybe 1600 Yeah, so for simple math... 10% of that is 150 to 160 bucks. So if you're charging 10% for management, and I'm not saying that you are just for simple math, that's 150 to 160 bucks a door. A C-class one bedroom in Cincinnati right now has seen some very sharp rent growth recently, thanks to COVID and all of the things that have happened in the economy since then. Yeah, a lot of people moving out of California. Yeah, but it's not so much into C neighborhoods in Cincinnati. The average is probably around 650, 700 a door. If you start adding B neighborhoods, your one bedroom average rent will be around 750, 800 a door. But 10% of that is 80 bucks a month. Sure. So a property manager is making half as much for same equivalent amount, work. Same amount of work know? as I'm doing for sure. Yeah. And, and, and maybe that's why it works in my market or works in larger appreciating markets. One of the ways that we really worked on our investments was by doing value adds in the higher rent districts, like where we're at, you're able to find those places that have a thousand dollars a month rent, 1100 and be able to take them up to 1400 or 1500 with some good value add. Everything you manage is in the Portland area. Portland's comprised of a metropolitan area. So we have multiple different cities around like Gresham, Beaverton, Tigard, Lake Oswego, even Vancouver, Washington too. So instead of like Seattle where Seattle has neighborhoods, so we're just a little bit different, but we try to stay in the Southwest of Portland, create like our niche. Also, that's where we most predominantly buy and it allows 
for us to not get into some of the lower rent districts, you hit it right on the nose. If we're going to do property management, we want to do it for high rent districts. So when you get out towards the east of Portland, you get into like Gresham, there's lower rents like what you're talking about in Ohio. You see more of like the 700 to 1100 type rents. And Mm -hmm. for us to drive farther and manage for less money, it's just not worth it. So we've kind of picked our area and we're like, you know what, we're going to really focus in on this. We know that we can get good management prices for that and make sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The other thing that we do too, we use a lot of offsite professionals. So we have probably 12 or 13 girls in the Philippines that work for us and they do a lot of the heavy lifting. So yeah, I would have, would have to have someone in person to go remove that cat litter. But taking that tenant call that complains about it, we've got someone that does that and then kind of all of the back end office work. So that's a way to definitely reduce your costs in property management. I have two people full time in the Philippines right now and two I'm starting part time. One of them is for lead generation for acquisitions, but specific to property management for our listeners who are more active. There are some mental hurdles that need to be jumped that some people need to jump before they hire someone completely virtually who's halfway around the world. How did you get into using VAs and how do you think it compares to having local employees? VAs are great in the Philippines. They have the BPO industry, which is specific to like the financial industry and providing customer service. So they've got this like background in customer service that they can kind of graduate in and that lends to be very good in property management. Listening to those tenant complaints and addressing them and being very cordial about it. like They it, are intensely polite. Yes, it's super nice. So I belong to NARPM. It's the National Association of Residential Property Managers. And they have a great conference that we have found a ton of vendors and a ton of value from. And I volunteer with that organization still. So that's kind of how we got into them. But as far as like implementing them, it's really dialing in your processes. If there is anything that you can do is write down what you're doing and how you do it. And then every time you do it, review it and make sure you do it the same way. And once that process is 95, 90% to like where you're going to redo it the same way every time, or, and you sort out all the unique positions or unique, whatever, like the unique things that situations that happen and trying to get the process written. So it handles 90, 95%. And then you take that, uh, take it to another employee and then have them start doing it. One of the ways that we've worked really well with virtual employees is using Zoom here and recording what it is that we do on the computer. So if I do a process, I can be able to record it and then they can review it multiple times without having to ask me. Saves a ton of my time. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. 
They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investor Guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get 15% off right now with the code BEC15 at besteverconference.com. That's the code BEC15 for 15% off at besteverconference.com. I've learned that I have to be way more detail-oriented with remote employees. And there are a lot of cultural, not really barriers, but there are a lot of things that we would assume that someone would assume the same way we do that the people in the Philippines will not. And so there are a lot of small course corrections. My portfolio is one-tenth the size of what you manage, AJ. So I'm probably much more involved in the day-to-day because I have to be. I'm getting questions from my VAs constantly about the things that we don't have scripted yet. But our scripts are precise and we write everything down. And every one of our meetings, like you said, we record in part because I don't feel like repeating myself and I don't feel like slowing down so they can write everything down. I just hit the record button and then they can go back and listen to me as many times as they want. And if they still have a question, they can reach me whenever they need to. Now I said earlier, and this is a point I want to drive home for the best ever listeners. I said earlier that I show my own apartments, my experience, AJ, this is a kind of coming from the gut number. There's not a lot of analytics behind this. But I think wages in the Philippines, what I'm paying my people in the Philippines is about one fourth of what I would need to pay someone in the United States to get the same quality. Is that about right for you? Yeah, 25 to 40%, I would say. Awesome. Granted, they're limited on the capabilities of the type of things that you can have them do. It has to be behind a computer. Like if you need handymen or people that are going to have to be physically out of the property, then you just got to bite the bullet. And that's where we have an office that is a bunch of hot desks. And most of my people are not in the office. They are out at properties, visiting stuff, making sure that things are going all right, putting lockboxes on, managing contractors, that sort of stuff. And I was going to say, we actually implemented a self-showing lockboxes. So even my leasing agents, they just put a box on and then wait till some tenant decides that they've seen it and like it. And then we move forward. And then the agent then goes back and picks up the lockbox afterwards. I have by door count about 20, 25% of my portfolio is in A locations. Mm -hmm. I would totally do that there. I'm not doing that in C areas, but I totally get where you're coming from. Back to what I was saying about doing my own showings. What the leasing process looks like for me right now, having a virtual assistant, considering that I'm the property manager for the portfolio, 
when we get an inquiry online from Zillow or Apartment List or any other website, it goes to my VA Izzy's inbox. She's the one who texts them to see if they respond. She's the one who asks them preliminary questions, gets them on the phone, pre-qualifies them. Assuming they meet our pre-qualification standards, she has my calendar. She's the one booking the showing. All I do is show up. I show up if it seems like they want to apply or if they tell me they want to apply. I message Izzy the apartment they want. We have scripts for all of this. She's the one who sends them the application. She's the one who reviews the application, calls the references, sends me a summary of the application that includes specifically the qualification criteria that allows me to read an email and make a decision. If they are declined, we have scripts for every single reason you would tell someone that they are declined in writing, making sure that we are following all federal housing guidelines. And assuming they're approved, Izzy's the one who tells them they're approved. She's the one who fills out the lease in our electronic document and signature platform. I review it, approve it, sign it. She sends it, tenant signs it, and she's the one putting them in our software, setting them up to pay the rent and the security deposit. So I say that I'm showing the apartments and I'm the property manager, but 90% of the work involved in getting a great tenant is being done by somebody in the Philippines. Yeah, I mean, as long as 90% of the work can be done behind a computer, there's no reason that you can't teach them how to do it. Most of mine are college educated. They speak great English. It's awesome. If someone on the phone, a tenant's talking to them, they have no idea whether they're in the U.S. or in the Philippines or in Brazil or wherever. I think the pandemic has definitely shown remote work is really going to be prolific kind of going forward. And why not take advantage of the economic differences? Yeah, absolutely. So your 150 plus units as GP, how many different properties is that? Ooh, so we started out in single family and small multifamily. So it's going to be probably a lot higher. Are those single family and small multifamily deals that you syndicated? No. So my brother and I started out just buying ourselves and doing the Burr method and then kind of graduated to two units and then four units and then eight units. So when did you start? Of, we started buying in 2007. I didn't start syndicating until 2020. So we did our first syndication in 2020 and it was a 12 unit deal. We bought it for 1.25 million and then it was kind of a cash deal. And then we had it appraised at 1.8, like six months later. And then we did another 12 unit and then we've since done a couple 20 unit deals. So when you ask about my 150 plus prop units, it's probably across like 60 properties, maybe 50 or so. Gotcha. And I have in my notes here that your limited partners, you guys are operating under exemption 506B. So these are limited partners with whom you have prior relationships. Yep. So when you bring in limited partners, are you underwriting to the five-year hold? Are you planning to continue with the Burr method, cash out, refi, and hold long-term? Are you selling quickly? What do you do? The first one that we did, we had planned on doing a little bit of a cash out refi. It was actually during COVID and we had a bunch of reserves. And whenever you buy property, that's typically where you make the money. And I think even when we were buying it at the 1.25, it appraised for 1.4. So when you're buying property, that's where you get all the equity. We are kind of on that five-year hold time frame. With our first set of investors, we promised to hold it at least five years. And we're going to hold to that word. 
obviously the returns would have been super juiced if we would have just turned it real quick. Typically, a lot of the times the way syndications work is the quicker that you can add value and the quicker you can liquidate, the better it is for everyone. Investors get their money back. But a lot of times that just creates more work for the investor and then they have to go find another place to invest it. And maybe there's some time in between where they're not making their returns that they wanted. So there's pros and cons to it. We've been around the block and are a buy and hold company. Ideally, we'd be able to hold our investments longer, but we are new to syndication. And when we say that we're going to do something, we, we do it. So we are planning on turning those properties over after five years. Gotcha. I have not gotten into syndication myself yet. I'm a buy and hold cash flow investor. Yeah. Uh, you started in 07. I started in 2013 or 2014, depending on how you count. I'm on a very, I would like to think at least that I'm on a similar trajectory given the success that you've had, AJ. Let's talk for a minute. Let's brainstorm. We're both buy and hold guys. We both want the long-term benefits of real estate investing and we care about cash flow. We care about the tax advantages of the long-term hold. How can people like us structure syndication deals such that limited partners would be incentivized to stay in a deal with us for the long haul, not expect a five-year sale or seven-year sale, but buy in planning to be in the deal for the foreseeable future? That is a great question. I wish I had that figured out, but if I was to brainstorm and off the top of my head is putting together a deal that kind of outlined refinances on a timeline and the expected returns of those kind of like in our portfolio, what we're seeing is a refinance every seven to nine years and being able to pull out a good chunk of change. So, I mean, maybe you commit along that schedule as a syndicator though, it's, it's tough. The way that those deals are written is if there's an IRR hurdle or, you know, a preferential return, just signing on to make just the amount over the pref for long-term and providing all of the services that go along with it. Syndicators typically want to be paid for their additional efforts in adding value and, and hitting a good deal and making that home run. On the deals that I own 100% of, I'm stoked about a home run, but I'm also stoked about it providing, kicking off a bunch of cash flow for the foreseeable future. And I know that when I sell it, I'm going to reap those rewards that like I really put in in the beginning. With syndication, the rewards that I get is so small in comparison because I'm owning maybe 2% or 5% of the deal. And where I get paid is off the services and we hit a home run and anything over a certain amount of percentages where I really get that benefit. So I think structuring it in some way that having refinances happen on a schedule and a fee goes to the syndicator on that schedule might be something. I definitely think that for the long-term hold, having less of a less of expectation of a return. It's just not feasible to hit those 20, 30 type numbers on a long-term hold that goes for 15, 20 years. Unless you can produce a really juicy cash out refinance. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors. I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. How are you doing on your goals this year? Whether it's planning for your goals or whether it's executing on those goals, I imagine one of them has to do with financial freedom, taking control of your finances. And I can tell you that is a possibility with the next one to three years using a proven system created by my friend, Michael Blanc. He's got the program Deal Maker Mentoring. Here are some of his students 
who have been in the program and what they've accomplished. Melanie McDaniel, she closed her first 24-unit joint venture deal and is now pivoting to become full-time in the industry. Within five months of joining, Cheryl Groovy from Atlanta, she had a 34-unit deal under contract. And she partnered with two other dealmaker mentoring students, and together they raised $700,000. And Brian Briscoe, he said thanks to dealmaker mentoring, he had the opportunity to accelerate his timeline and go after much bigger deals than he would have on his own. If you are ready to commit to achieving your dreams this year and you've been thinking about getting into multifamily, well, text the word Joe to 66866. Again, that's the word Joe. You know how to spell my name, right? J-O-E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. If you're starting with an asset that's more distress that you're buying at a steeper discount. You buy it for a million, you put in 500,000, it appraises for two. You could feasibly give your LPs all of their money back and leave them in an equity position in the deal and still reap some sort of benefit. Of course, you would need limited partners who are interested in taking that kind of risk. Well, and limited partners that want to be in it for the long haul. I think that's the key is finding those partners that are like, yeah, I want to hold it 20 years. I want to hold it 30 years. If you start out looking for those partners, they're going to understand that it's nice to have your money in a place and kick off some returns after refinances. Like we both love that, right? We're buy and hold guys. Like we know the benefits of it. Like there's got to be more people out there like us that don't want to be the active person in that type of deal. We either need LPs who want to be long haulers in the investment. Yeah. Or we need to structure the investment opportunity in such a way that LPs could leave early if they chose and that there was some sort of streamlined way to sell their interest at like a contemporary valuation. Yeah. Uh, Four, eight, 12 years later, for personal reasons or because their investing appetite has changed, they want to get out. 
I mean, life um, happens. If, yeah. If, if people like us had some way that we could easily facilitate an exit and a sale of that equity in the deal to someone else, I think that would be helpful as well. Yeah, I'm super interested to see what happens with blockchain technology and I was a lot thinking of this the exact fintech. Same thing. There seems like some applications like that where an investor could then just parse it out and then sell it off and liquidate whenever they wanted. Yeah, I, and make I, it I just don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I just don't know of anything that's available like that yet. So I'm definitely looking forward to the future. I feel like it's kind of on the precipice. Like there's a lot of people talking about it. And totally. once you get the conversation going, then something hopefully will happen. Yeah, I know I won't be the innovator in that space, but I <laughs> no. may be eager to be the early adopter. Exactly. Somebody else creates a platform, I may pounce on it and start putting my deals up because I love this idea. I love the idea of using the power of syndication to take down larger deals yeah. and combine it with all of the benefits of the long-term hold for myself personally, but also for all the investors. Real quick, yeah. we're running a little over on time, AJ, but you were telling me before the episode that you and your partners run a bottle shop and brewery because you got a good deal on the building. I need to hear more about that. Yeah. So my brother and I are the ones that run our company and we had a fraternity brother of mine approach us and be like, Hey, this building's been empty for a couple of years. I know the owner. I know he'll give us a lease option to buy on it. And we're like, okay, you've piqued our interest. So what are we going to put in there? We didn't want to lease to a third party. So we decided to start a business. And that business is now Uptown Beer Co. and Binary Brewing. But we started out with a bottle shop and a homebrew supply shop and a couple taps. And now it's morphed into a brewery and 36 taps at it. And we now own the building. We actually just had our 10-year anniversary in December. So that's been awesome. That's awesome. So... In December. So that's late 2011 that you bought the building. How good was the deal on the building that you were willing to put this business together for it? We just love getting more real estate and getting into it. So by the time the two-year lease option had kind of run its course, real estate had kept appreciating. It's more than doubled in value since the time that we bought it. The building. What about the business itself? The business itself is running well. We're actually expanding operations and putting together a new brewery location and restaurant. So that should be open up here in like April or May in in Beaverton. And unfortunately, we are leasing that space, but it's from a a good friend of mine that's an owner as well. (laughs) So 10 years ago, a frat brother brings you an opportunity to get a lease option on a space. You start a bottle shop and then a brewery with them, and then you buy the building. And now you're opening a second location that's a brewery and a restaurant because you got a good deal yep. on some <laughs> on some commercial space 10 years ago. That's so yeah. awesome. And it's good to hear that, that that's all working well. AJ, yeah. you ready for our best ever lightning round? I think so. Awesome. What is your best ever book you've recently read? I really enjoyed Joey Coleman's Never Lose a Customer Again just that idea of the customer experience and how it goes through the business. I worked with my business development person on that for our property management and third-party clients and developing that touch system was really, really helpful. So that one, I think it doesn't get mentioned a lot, but has been very influential in a lot of our businesses. Never lose a customer again. I'm writing that one down too. Yep. What's your best ever way to give back? I think I mentioned before, I volunteer for NARPM. I'm currently the regional vice president over California and Hawaii. And 
help provide education to over 700 property management companies and property management company owners. Great. And what is your best ever advice? My best ever advice is keep the grit. Don't give up. If you're going to do something, do it and jump all in and get it finished as quickly as possible. Hyperfocus. AJ, where can people get in touch with you? People can get in touch with me on uptownsyndication.com. That's an easy place. My brother and I also do a podcast. It's called Westside Investors Network. So you can find us on Westside Investors Network. Westside Investors Network. Awesome. Well, best ever listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review and share this with someone with whom you want to share the best real estate investing advice ever. Thank you and have a best ever day.